Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the Direct Podcast, episode 29. We review the biggest episode of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier yet, cover all the top news from all the brands you love, and we are building a list at the end of today's episode. Check out the time codes, jump ahead, let's get it. Truth is, I am a Jedi, and I am burdened with glorious purpose. (laughs) Tony Stark was able to build this in a cave! Blow that piece of junk out of the sky! See you in a minute. Come in. I could do this all day. This is the way. But I'm also a big fan of justice. I'm vengeance. I'll show you the dark side. Why did you say that, Dad? Come on. Let's get nuts. Assemble. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. The direct podcast episode 29. The Earl Thomas episode. Something I'm very excited Mm. about. This is, uh, I am your host, Captain Matt Rimke, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, the Colossus of Clicks, Mr. Liam Crowley. Liam, fresh haircut, fresh outfit, how we doing? Pretty good. Uh, You know, it's getting warmer weather, so I decided to ask the old barber, hey, let's do the fade. It's time. It's time. It's fade time. And uh, the second I got it cut, it rained and turned into 40 degrees again, so... We'll see, but a uh, weekend of mm-hmm. uh, 70 and sunny skies, so very much looking forward to it. That's how we do it, man. Yeah, a- April showers just hit us like a ton of bricks, didn't it? Oh, man yeah, alive. big time. Um, get, dude, We have such a big show today. There's so much news. Yeah. We have a, a, it's an extensive episode to cover, and we are having on one of our favorites, John Ross Bradford, to help us out with the list a little later. But real quick, I wanted to get into a quick question. You know, We're going to jump right into it today, Liam. You know, no fluff. Oh, yeah. People know why they're here. People know why we're here. Quick question. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier is one episode away from wrapping up. Our second MCU Disney Plus series will be completed within the next eight days. It's so crazy to think about. So I wanted to ask you, and I'm asking everybody at home as well. What former comic book movie or Star Wars movie would you like to see in this streaming tv show format because mando we saw all the perks of expanding the star wars universe week by week uh through wandavision and falcon winter soldier character development has been the star of both of those shows so there's definite advantages there's obviously a bunch of uh disadvantages to tv but the advantages seem to be shining through what former movie did would you want to see in that format I got two off the bat. One I just thought of again. Uh, I would love to see a mini series, uh, one one season limited series, I guess, of well, we haven't even seen them yet, but Robert Pattinson's Batman with mm-hmm. a long Halloween storyline. For those cool. who have read the graphic novel, easily my favorite Batman story ever told, and you know the the villain carries out uh, killings on a holiday each month so you make it 12 episodes it's it's perfectly written and i think it would be one of the coolest detective batman stories told out in a serialized format and then the other one i have to say real quick i've just been wanting this for so long i would love to see with no real resolution every episode would just be filler but a 24 episode season you can make it two seasons or even three seasons with eight episodes in each season of every Winter Soldier assassination in the MCU. Just because <laughs> I want to see the Winter Soldier kill JFK. I just I want to see it. Yeah. So that's where we're that. at. Winter Soldier. Um, 
you know, because Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, the anthology. Uh, Scarlett Johansson mentions uh, Black Widow and Cap Winter Soldier. He's credited with over two dozen assassinations. He shaped the century. I want to see how he shaped the century. Right. That has uh, vibes of the uh, Cap Returning the Stone series. You know, yeah. Cap going to each of those points from Endgame and interacting. I just That'd be so fun. Um, real quick on the long Halloween, uh, I told you I'm getting some comics, some hard hardback comic books ready for my honeymoon in july and that is one i am definitely bringing along let's go have you read it yet i haven't and and i'm avoiding i'm avoiding the trailer that just came out for the movie that they're making i i'm 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 gonna dive into the big batman series on my honeymoon and i can't not wait to do so mine my first one off the top it's it's what we've been saying for months the snyder cut I want a four one-hour episode Snyder Cut. And yes, it would be more fleshed out than, than what we got in the four-hour cut that released on HBO Max. But I just think that movie would have played so much better week to week with the chapters and just how that story progressive so step-by-step. Step, I just think it would have come off so much more fun. I would have taken it less seriously had it been a week-to-week show. And I don't say that in a negative way. You know what I mean? I think it would have put a little less pressure on itself. Um, Snyder Cut week to week, I think, would have been awesome. And my second one, and uh, you, you know, you're going to look at me funny because it's one of the greatest comic book movies of all time. But I want Cap Winter Soldier as a series. This 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 uh, run of Falcon and the Winter Soldier and also WandaVision helped me appreciate the themes and scores of these shows. You know, like like I fall in love with different tonal beats and different you know acoustic uh check marks that we get each week with this show and i think the falcon winter soldier would tell a really great audio story through like a four episode run or something like that so it's specific but you know that's such a character development movie and i think as a show it could have doubled down on that and done really well so guys let us know hit us up on the twitters or on the instagrams or on the tiktoks you know what i mean and let us know what movies you want to see as a TV show. I just thought of another one real quick. The prequel oh Star Wars movies. So my oh my Imagine god. Imagine if those were fleshed out. Like that would have yeah. been awesome. All the stuff Calling with the government, it. all the stuff with the government and like the trade federations. We would have actually cared. Would have been Game of Thrones. It would have been Star Wars Game of Thrones. Yeah. Those three movies as a TV show, Star Wars Game of Thrones. Yep. Oh. Okay. All right. Let's get that going. Where's that hashtag? You know what I mean? Hashtag bring Justin Hammer back to the MCU. Like, like, let's start some really important hashtags. They seem to be working. That's just me. Whatever. Guys, I'm going to stop babbling. Let's get to the news. This is a real top stories. Here we go. Liam, hit it. Production update alert. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. When you have heard this podcast, will have just wrapped up filming. This has even prompted our Lord and Savior, Kevin Feige, to don a new Doc Strange-inspired hat, complete with the Sorcerer Supreme's logo glitching in and out of our reality. Snap back to reality. And in other MCU news, in a mix of news and interviews, it has become apparent that the Loki press tour has Begun with Tom Hiddleston running the running the gauntlet of news stories. Prepare for some internet-friendly content. And switching over to some DC casting news, Aquaman has landed Game of Thrones 
Pilo Azbek in a mystery role. That's right, Euron Greyjoy is coming to the DCEU. That's pretty dope. That is pretty dope. And in what feels like our last bit of Snyder Cut news for a while, HBO Max has released a trilogy trailer celebrating Snyder's run in the DCEU. Many fans continue to flood Twitter streams with hashtag Restore the Snyderverse, while other fans, like myself, are hoping for a comic book run or animated continuation of that universe. And in news from a galaxy far, far away, Donald Gleason was asked about the possibilities of returning as General Hux in the future. He said he would return on only one shocking condition if the story was good. And for more news on the Wakanda series, Doom Patrol, and the Bad Batch, make sure to check out thedirect.com. Once again, for the people in the back, that is thedirect.com. Liam, that is an awesome list of news. I'm excited about every single thing. You know what I mean? Me too. Is, is there anything in particular you would like to start off with, my, my man? I, I would love to start out with that Donald Gleason uh, story just because it seems so like filler fluff like oh big deal he'd return he'd return if the story was good but i think he's one of those characters that he actually would listen to a pitch that would involve general hucks returning because um in the original script for episode nine back when colin trevorrow was writing it um when it was called duel of the fates and if you haven't read the it, the script is leaked online if you haven't read the script for what episode nine could have been I implore you to do so. It's so freaking good. And it kind of makes me sad that that's what we didn't get. But since I don't believe Matt knows many of the bits, I'm going to enlighten you on what Donald Gleason's role as General Hux would have been. Hit me. <laughs> Let's go. In Trevorrow's script, Hux would have had a much cooler storyline. This uh, comes from Screen Rant. He would have become Chancellor Hux, collecting lightsabers of dead Jedi and then kill himself with a lightsaber when the First Order loses at the end. So if we had got this, Hawks would have not essentially turned on the fourth order or First Order because he wanted Kylo Ren to lose. He would have just killed himself before his side could have lost. And the lightsaber and some concept art um, that he kills himself with is purple. So he might have got his hands on Mace Windu's lightsaber. Regardless, uh, I think he would have been much more of an interesting character and a much more gripping character in episode nine if that was the case uh he was one of my favorite characters leaving force awakens and i thought he was kind of dragged through the mud in the last jedi even though i've come around in the last jedi i did not like how he was written as kind of a jokey punchline kylo ren's punching bag but yeah i i'd be all for more donald gleason more general hux if the story was good duh that yeah right uh that that story directed by ryan johnson <laughs> you know what i mean uh, general <laughs> hux kills himself with a lightsaber that's ryan johnson um, yeah i uh i actually didn't mind the uh the heel turn uh the i guess reverse heel turn for hux in uh face turn. Rise of skywalker face turn there it is yeah <laughs> um yeah i i i kind of dug that for him and and just because that coming off of um the uh Wow, what's the the last Jedi? Last Coming Jedi, off the yeah, last yeah. Jedi, that that's that kind of fit that kind of progression for him, and I thought that was a sure. charming little move for him. But uh, Gerald Hux is so classic Star Wars Imperial character. You know what I mean? Mm. Like that is that is rooted in Star Wars movie lore, and I think he played it off really well. What I really enjoy about these kinds of stories coming out, um, where you know, yeah, I'll return if the story's good. The way the Star Wars universe is going, 
there are so many good stories being told spanning across so many different properties that this guy showing up in different spots is so not only possible, but applicable. And I think that it would be a big pop if he showed up in a Mando series or, uh, you know, an Ahsoka run, you know, as you know, there needs, there seems to be an implication that Imperial pressure comes with almost every Star Wars property. You know what I mean? Some sort of government entity steps in and makes their presence known. He would be a big pop in one of those shows. And I think that, you know, the way that it's moving into more of a TV universe, a live action TV universe, I'm here for it. And I'm here for the movie, the, the side characters from the movies getting involved. And especially since we're now moving back towards that time period between episode right. six and seven, it would be really cool to see, you know, General Hux before he was General Hux, like how he rose through the ranks in what was left of the Imperials that became the First Order. I think he'd be a nice kind of bridge character to get us from you know, what the empire was, the tattered remnants that were led by Moff Gideon, and then how we transitioned into the first order. I think that'd be pretty cool. I think you take kind of what Bill Burr did in Mando season two and just like his, his take on the empire and, you know, what they had to do to get to the first order. Like we got little bits and pieces of that from uh, Mayfeld. And I think you take that, expand it like hell and throw more of a thespian in there instead of a gritty, a uh, comedic actor like Bill Burr, who I loved him as Mayfield, don't get me wrong, but, you know, having a more serious tone and a more uh, deep, the thing is, it's just like the inverted timeline. It Like, there's an inherent confusion about all of that, which, you mm -hmm. know, it sucks, but, you know, that's Star Wars, baby. That's that's how we roll. That's how we've rolled since 78, you know what I mean? Um, I would like to talk about Euron Greyjoy being an Aquaman too, yeah. and that being the most meta Game of Thrones casting since Kit Harington and Richard Madden in Eternals. Like, so perfect, and I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> he's got to play like a pirate, right? Yeah, like, I feel like he he's so typecast <laughs> as a pirate, but, um, you know, as many people kind of don't have the same level of love for Aquaman as I do, I always thought of Aquaman as that franchise could turn into DC's Game of Thrones because of how many underwater kingdoms are going on, uh, kind of the, the gray area of alliances being formed with the enemy of my enemy is my friend and all that. And I think that, you know, the trench movie that did end up getting canceled really would have fleshed out that idea. So the fact that they added a Game of Thrones actor, it doesn't like point towards that that's where they're going per se, but I really like the idea of getting players from you know, the greatest medieval story ever told in live action form, in my opinion, at least up until season eight um, and, and flavoring that into uh, into the Aquaman franchise. I think it adds a nice little layer and I would love to see him play. I mean, I, I don't know many of the pirate based characters from Aquaman's lore, but I would love to see him play some sort of pirate. Yeah, we definitely need to dig into those DC side characters that they can start picking from because they're bringing on big actors almost every week. And, mm -hmm. you know, we we really need to do some more research on who these guys could be playing. But and this isn't, you know, Matt hates on Liam's favorite movie. I, I need to watch <laughs> Aquaman again. I really want to. I do. Um, but the thing is about like turning it into Game of Thrones, which I think I agree, which would be a really cool idea it would need to lead to some sort of big climactic battle. And that battle they had at the end of Aquaman was so outrageously large 
that uh, yeah, I, yeah. Do, I just I can't imagine any sort of build up to anything bit like that's like the Battle <laughs> of Five Armies in Lord of the Rings yeah. too. You know what I mean? Like like it's just so massive and CGI and and the scale of that movie is unbelievably awesome. To reach that like like periodically would be so tough after what we saw in Aquaman one. It's very true. I'm pretty sure that movie like gave me anxiety with how much that was going on. I was Dude. like, there, there's this <laughs> and that and so much CGI and it's actually pretty well done and somehow it's underwater and it looks nice. Like, come on. That's the endearing part of that movie is that it brings like a Godzilla like sense of scale <laughs> yeah. underwater, which is so incredibly nuts to think about because like it's it's a finite space to make it seem as big as it was like my heart's racing a little bit talking about it. You know what I mean? Like it, it's deep, deep stuff. And you know what? I'm watching Aquaman again this weekend. Can't stop me. Won't stop me. It's happening. All right. Hopefully I come go. around. I'm going to look at it less seriously than I did the first time and see if that helps a little bit. Um, any news we want to talk about? Oh yeah. Let's, let's talk about, you know, just Dr. Strange, Loki. Let's talk about the multiverse run in the MCU a little bit. Um, I sent out a tweet a few weeks ago that Tom Hiddleston is absolutely going to crush this press conference tour. Like, like we thought that the uh, Anthony Mackie, Sebastian Stan stuff was cute. We're about to get so much amazing Tom Hiddleston content. <laughs> like, it's have you seen his hair lately? Oh, it's 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 grown luscious. out a little bit. It's it yeah. looks incredible. Nobody makes uh, the balding pattern look better than Tom. Hiddleston. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like him and Chris Evans both have a little bit of that falling back hairline, but somehow like they crush it. And I, I don't get how that works. You know what I mean? How Bruce Willis did it. Why can't I do it? You know, I, I'm not there yet, but I'm worried about it. <laughs> I think you're doing okay. I, I, oh, no, I think, yeah. You, yeah, you got a full head of hair. Mother's I father. How, how's your, how's your mother's father's hair? Luscious hair. We're rocking. Then you're, you're golden. You're golden. That, that's what they say. I don't buy it though. I don't buy it. Uh, what are, you know, what can you expect from this Loki production? And are you worried? Because the WandaVision interview series led to so much contentious expectation when the show came out. Loki is supposed to be tied in with Doctor Strange. How, how many weeks until we get a Doctor Strange is going to be in Loki thing happening? It's going to happen. And I, I've just kind of come to expect it with the marvel show press tours because what's different from the, the the movies is they have a press tour leading up and they give you some expectations and then we all see the full movie weekend one and then maybe a little weeks after that they say like oh we made this decision with this character and still no spoilers but giving you more hype around a moment you've already seen with the with mm -hmm. these serialized stories it's difficult because malcolm spellman uh, the showrunner for Falcon Winter Soldier mentioned how episode five was his favorite episode and how there was a great cameo in it and that we were going to cry. And he mentioned that when the season had already started. So I don't think that those tidbits are given away in a movie press tour, but I think mm -hmm. it's just natural to come when it's like a serialized story told over the course of six weeks. So I do expect some blown out of proportion um, expectations to come from the Loki press tour. But seeing that we've already gone through it once with WandaVision and Falcon Winter Soldier, I kept my expectations very much in check and I wasn't let down because of it. I, I don't see myself getting too upset by anything Loki subverts. But I think Loki out of all three of these Marvel shows uh, that we have seen or going to see so far 
has the most potential to really hit home with like, here's a tease. And then we nail it just because so much of what's going on seems inconsequential because it's like a right. sideways story. It's almost like a freedom that they have. And uh, Liam, I'm sorry I was on my phone during that rant, but we are about to have, I think, our first breaking news here on the direct podcast. Oh my God. What, what's going on? I and, and I don't know how I, I haven't read the whole article, but in an exclusive interview with Variety, Alfred Molina has not only officially confirmed that he's in Spider-Way No Way Home, but he talks about the tentacles and how great it is to be back in the suit and how excited he is for the craziness of this project. Boom. What, what the hell? What the yeah. hell is going on? It just ah. happened. Just happened. The 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 one week <laughs> I think we went like three weeks without any Spider-Man No Way yeah. Home news. <laughs> And mid mid show, Tom Holland's pissed off. He's like, "Why aren't you talking about my movie?" Okay, we're we're talking about it. We're talking about yeah, it. Alfred Molina confirmed here. his Doc Ock. Jesus Christ! I mean, it's we unreal. all knew it, but still, the fact that he was like, "I can't wait for everyone to see where this story goes." Yeah. Ah, I I uh, and and he talks about how he dies, guys. I'm just skimming through the article right now, but Alfred Molina is being incredibly tongue in cheek. For all the information you need to know about Molina and Doc Ock and Spider-Man No Way Home, head over to thedirect.com. We have an incredible article about it up right now as you hear this. Make sure to check it out because we cannot provide you the accurate details. But holy shit, this movie, I, for some reason, I just got nothing with Spider-Man No Way Home brain. You know what I mean? Yeah. Back to the top of my list of most, most excited about projects. Wow. I also have a fantastic segue. You ready for this? Fantastic. Yeah. Well, not not Fantastic Four. I didn't mean Damn to it. make that pun. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he mentions the tentacles and we actually haven't seen like any set photos of Alfred Molina um, as Doc Ock for Spider-Man No Way Home. And while we have seen some, it just leads me to believe that like if we haven't seen Alfred Molina, but news has gotten out and almost that like photographers would be looking for him specifically and they still can't get photos. The amount of surprises we're going to get in this movie are phenomenal. And that kind of segues into my Doctor Strange stuff. Doctor Strange started production principal photography on November 4th, 2020. 163 days, Matt, and not a single leaked set photo. Oh my God. I don't know if this is because Feige and company are like extra protective or if they're filming everything indoors, but I'm going to lean with the side of there being extra protective because this movie is going to deliver some moments that we need to experience, not see ahead of time. Ah, I'm, I'm ah, so stoked. Multiverse of Madness, like uh, because of the fact that there was no leaked set photos, it shoots up my expectations of like, this is going to be a big movie. Absolutely. And I couldn't agree more. I, the, I think I saw one set photo and it was just Elizabeth Olsen standing there on set in a jacket. You know what I mean? Like, like that's okay. yeah. the only set photo I've seen, but that's not even like a leak. You know, that's more like a press photo. And, you know, you're absolutely right. This show is about to change the MCU. Like there's going to be things that happen here that resonate throughout the MCU on a blip level, you know, effectiveness. And it's just... It's so insane. I, I didn't even think about that. Like so long, no set leaks. And we've learned very recently that Marvel can keep secrets, like big, yeah. big time secrets. So mm -hmm. for as much as we worry about speculation and expectations and how they affect how we watch these things, tying back into the Loki thing, like this Doctor Strange movie has so much of that potential to, you know, ooh, this has to happen or I'm not going to like the movie. I, I'm imploring everybody over the next 11 months, 
totally wash that out. Just get ready for whatever this is about to be because it's going to be big. And speaking of big, did you catch that episode of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier last night? Yeah, I, I saw it. Yeah, Liam checked it out. Let's talk about it. Ladies and gentlemen, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, episode five, The Truth. Welcome back to our penultimate review of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, episode five. What a journey it has been, Matt. These weeks always make me feel a little sad because... There's only one left. And then the next time we hop on these mics to do a review, it'll be June. I'll have been done with my junior year of college. Hopefully I have an internship by then, whatever. That's in the future. Let's talk about the now. (laughs) Episode five, truth. I want to hear your initial thoughts because it seems like you very much dug this episode. Um, I absolutely did. I think that this episode... Patented Matt Remke uh, can crack. Absolutely. I, I'm trying to make it a thing. I'm excited about it. I, I'm pretty That's like your it. sound effect now. It's the can crack. It. Let's, yeah. let's make it a transition. <gasps> oh, I love oh, it. Love it. <laughs> the guys, you're, you're like seeing uh, one of our production meetings live in a Falcon and Winter Soldier review. Initial thoughts. This episode had everything. I had such a unique experience watching it. I accidentally stayed up to watch it. I didn't mean to. Woke up. Couldn't go back to sleep. It happened. And I watched it again this morning. This episode... Uh, you know, the first two episodes I talked on this podcast, how, you know, it lacked a wow factor, you know, like the show was as great as it has been. I've, I've seen lack of wow factor. This episode had it through and through the, the thing I noticed about this episode compared to other episodes is I thought this episode was about to hit credits, WandaVision style three or four times before it actually happened. I was like, are these crazy sons of bitches actually about to show us what I think they're about to show us right now? And then the credits hit. I'm like, oh, the tension was back. And this was one of the best peace setting episodes we've seen from a Disney plus show so far. Um, You know, and, and I just, I'll, I'll talk about it a little later, but penultimate episodes in the MCU have a completely different vibe than any penultimate anything we've seen in these types of shows past. And I'm here for it as hell. I agree with a lot. I I did feel admittedly underwhelmed. And that's just because a victim of expectations, you know, Spellman saying that this was going to be the best episode of the season. I'm expecting the finale to be a little bit better just because it's kind of funny. We've kind of role reversed here, Matt. I was was looking for a little more action and there was really only one action scene if we're being fair still still no spoilers um but what what i will say upon the second watch was this felt like a necessary breather and i mean that in the sense of the first four weeks first four episodes you were good for almost a beat by beat two big action set pieces Mm -hmm. and some character driven moments and then furthering the plot this really took its time you know slowed everything down patient storytelling and then hit us with a nice uh, a cliffhanger that's like, and now we move forward. Not so much a cliffhanger that I was like, I need to see next week right now. More of a, okay, I'm glad we took this breather because we've been sprinting for the past four weeks. Let's let's chill for a bit. Let's walk. And now let's give that one final sprint. Let's PR next week. I'm very excited. I'm going to get, I, I guess I'll just get into it now because it piggybacks great off what you just said. Because I, I completely agree. This did weirdly feel like a breather. But the thing is about, 
you know, we see we saw it in WandaVision, now we're seeing it here. Both penultimate episodes of the two first MCU series have been payoffs. You know, like just loaded yeah. with payoffs from the previous episodes where as you know, I, I always go to Game of Thrones, but Breaking Bad had this thing. The penultimate and those big, more epic shows, you know, the big battle. You know, when you got to the ninth episode of a Game of Thrones season, you knew a big battle was coming or a big shocking death or a big revelation, stuff like that. A, a twist almost. And then the final season was tying loose ends, settling everything down, transitioning into the next season. Whereas what I'm seeing from WandaVision and now Falcon Winter Soldier, we get a ton of payoff in these penultimate episodes. It really ties a bow on a lot of different storylines, but at the same time setting pieces for the big battle, the big giant event in the final episode. You know, we saw it in WandaVision. We're going to get it next week. So I, I really dig that vibe these penultimates are bringing. And it might... I, I'm I'm just amazed in how much character development they can fit into, like you said, a sprint into a settle with these uh, second to last episodes. Yeah, and I feel like you know it's only appropriate. We got our initial thoughts out of the way. One last time before the last time. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> spoiler, 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 spoiler. I don't have any fancy Fast and Furious puns this week. Just spoiler. That was a, there was a weird little sound effect on your last one. And it was kind of like the end of a game. Spoiler. Like it was Mortal Kombat. Like I dug it. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I can force it. I I feel like. No, no. We'll have to listen back and put it in. (laughs) Let's go. Um, But with that being said, let's get into our spoiler talk. Uh, This week, we're just going to go through some talking points because it's really just a lot of character driven stuff. And I want to start out with the man that is just acting his ass off almost want to stand up and salute Wyatt Russell, not John Walker. Uh, you know, I'm not, not standing up for John Walker, but man, oh man, Wyatt no Russell, John Walker. Mm-hmm. What happened? What happened from episode Oof. two to now? This fall from grace, Matt, you, you've been on the John Walker, not train, you not, not that you're in support of his character, but you're like, this guy's misunderstood. And then we've kind of seen him trip over, over obstacles that were not, you know, it, it's mm-hmm. weird with him because everything kind of feels justified a little bit, but you're still like, this isn't the means you can go about it, guy. I'm curious about your thoughts about John Walker this episode. One of the richest John Walker episodes I think we've gotten so far. I am confident in saying it's 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 kind of close with Sam Wilson being a close second, but Wyatt Russell is the biggest winner of this show so far. Like mm-hmm. you said, he's acting his ass off and he is he has been given more range than anybody else in the show you know what i mean uh, one note sounds negative but every other character has kind of like had the same tone and thoughts and expressions and emotions throughout but why russell has had to run the gauntlet of optimistic to just beaten down and done and you know he's he's incredibly hateable but the the redeemability still hangs around with Wyatt russell and you get that in a bunch of different scenes Watching his spiral into a tried and true U.S. agent character mm. has been phenomenal. Like I, I, I did have a complaint a couple episodes ago or last week when uh, we didn't see him take the serum, and I said I wish we would have hung on that moment a little longer and given that some attention. But other than that small criticism, I have loved the progression of White Russell through the show, and it has seemed to it seemed to impress me more and more every week. And um, you know, we we it came to a head this week, and 
so many great moments with him specifically in this episode. And uh, I want to talk about the fight real quick because you talked about, I think was, I think it was on direct debate where, you know, the reason a captain America, Steve Rogers fight is so awesome to watch is because every single punch tells a story. Every single punch has an emotion behind it. And that is what we got in this opening action scene. But it was so cool to see the role reverse because we were cheering against captain America here, but still even through white Russell, Sam and Bucky, Every single punch had a big weighted emotion behind it, and it had it felt so Russo Brothers. It felt so Cap-like, and I just I love that action sequence. I love the decisions that were made throughout it, where Sam has to uniquely use his wings, take out Bucky for a little bit because you know it's Bucky Barnes. He'll fuck he'll mess you up, and all those things. Sam's wings getting ripped off, breaking John Walker's arm to get the shield because that's the only way he'll give it up. All those things, and real quick before I toss to you, I know I just went on a run. The sound design in that fight. The sound design anytime the shield is the main character of a fight, I it's enchanting. I'm obsessed with it. Like they they do such a good job giving that shield a character and they do it through sound design and they did another amazing job. Carrie Skoglin, you can direct the hell out of a hand on hand con a hand on hand fight. And you nail it every time. There were two really dope callbacks I saw in this fight. The first one was pretty obvious, you know, Civil War. Uh, Bucky and Steve versus Iron Man. We saw that this time with Bucky and Sam versus John Walker. But one so that good. I wasn't expecting was Avengers Infinity War when everyone's teaming up to try and get the gauntlet off Thanos. I almost got mm-hmm. it. I got it. I got it. That yeah. gave me the vibe this entire fight because they weren't trying to kill John Walker. They weren't trying to take him out. They would have been perfectly fine if they just got the shield and ran away. They were just trying to get the shield off him and mm-hmm. so many times trying to pull it off and eventually, you know, making the call that uh is tough but they snap his arm in order to take it off and as you mentioned the sound design like the the sound of his arm snapping like made me jolt i was Mm -hmm. like oh my god like and his his screams and everything there there are a couple uh uh early lines that matter that i want to get into with this fight because they were they were dope when he says i am captain america gritting through his teeth i was downright scared he had the crazy <laughs> eyes going nuts. And I was uh-huh. like, this dude is, he went from being like, you're not my Captain America to like, please just take off the shield. Like, like yeah. go away. Like, you're I'm, scaring I'm... me, man. <laughs> the other one was, why are you making me do this? He's, he, he doesn't accept faults at all, which is the kind of the final nail in the coffin of like, no, you're not Captain America. Because the real Captain America would, would take responsibility if he messes up and admit defeat but his his vision is so skewed to be like no you're in the wrong i did what was necessary john walker man wyatt russell man what a goddamn actor because he made me believe it he made me Great believe character. that he actually had this obstructed vision that no i'm right wow right and and what a sneaky great character that the mcu now has to work with and you know we'll get into that a little more later but from i yeah, I talk about how impressed I am with the gradual transition from Captain America to U.S. agent, but I feel like, you know, despite it being subtly done throughout these shows, you know, teetering back and forth on good guy, bad guy, do you like him, do you not kind of thing, when he says time to go to work, you know, like, you know, he, he has his emotional breakdown, he stands up, he toughens up because he's a soldier, time to go to work. I feel like that was the transitional line from Cap to U.S. agent, and I think that was... So awesome. Uh, I want to know, wrestling fan, did you notice 
the the 3D that Bucky and Sam put on John Walker when he just lifts him up like this and Sam comes through with the shield. Like that was yeah. a Dudley Boys 3D through and through, man. But straight up, he yeah, he drop kicked him through the air. He he, he catapulted yeah. him. It was it was amazing. I loved it. One of my favorite fi- tag team finishers of all time because they always found a new crazy ridiculous way to do it. The Dudley yeah. brothers and and when you got the table in place, table, too, yep. Yeah. Ugh, phenomenal TLCs, stuff man i miss tlc so much i miss i miss old tlc's before yeah. they kind of got like edge PG-ified christian parties dudley boys just keep rehashing that every single two months i'm in i'm in oh yeah there are more stuff with john walker in this episode though and yeah. almost more intriguingly than the fight walker's trial good this guy like he snaps the way he behaves the way he twitches and the, the again just him doubling down on you don't understand like you don't know what it takes to be captain america like who are you to redefine the role that you have been given uh i i, I loved that entire trial and upon re-watching last week's episode um just in the days leading up to episode five you notice post serum and even beforehand a lot of like the twitches uh, that that Wyatt Russell incorporates into John Walker when he that final shot with the bloody shield last week, you see him like like touching his fingers like very like shakingly like freaking out mm-hmm. clearly like not calm and collected as he kind of poses you know with the rest of his body but he's still freaking out on the inside and then when they're walking towards uh, confronting Carly and it's all five of them Zemo Bucky Sam uh Lamar and Walker and Walker's like he's like talking to himself and he's like God, no and he's like again those twitches and then they show really up in good. the courtroom scene and they're not so much subtle anymore they're in front of an audience of you know government officials who are judging his character and he's kind of making a fool out of himself and you know I am Captain America you don't get it wow just again Wyatt Russell as you said you're you're making the case and I kind of agree biggest winner so far of this series Absolutely. And, you know, I know we all hate him. You know, you're supposed to hate Johnny Walker. Like, that's exactly what he, and he's doing it well. But that speech, like, whose side are you on? You on the senator's side or you on John Walker's side in that trial? Because the government is the worst in these shows, man. They <laughs> are just the worst. We thought that the plot twist of Tyler Hayward, like, Wanda never stole vision. Like, remember how insanely awesome that was? Like, cause mm-hmm. we never knew it was, it was, Hey, we're all along that kind of thing. <laughs> uh-huh. This, the guy he's talking to here is the same dude who applauded Sam for giving up the shield. Just to turn around and give it to John Walker. Like, like that's the same guy. That guy sucks, man. He's, he sucks more than John Walker. I think that's a fact at this point because dude, that line, you made me, you, you asked me to do a job and I did it and I did it well. He's right. They asked him to do this. And just because it was caught on 4K, all on him. No accountability from the entity that put him in that position. And, you know, it's, you know, this show touches on societal issues in a big way. But government entities setting people up for failure and then not taking responsibility, like that, that was a really great way to present it. It's like when the, the MLB let Barry Bonds and Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire juice up for 10 years because the ratings were great, but as soon as it came out, you know, ban those guys from the league forever. Now no one watches baseball. Like, it's, it's such a hypocrisy, and it was so well implied here because in this moment, the character we hate the most, John Walker, I'm on his side during this trial. Because he's right. They put him in this position. And he did exactly what he was supposed to do. They just didn't like that it was publicized. And 
man and then and then we get to the biggest pop i've ever had in a marvel anything in this next scene go ahead <laughs> i just want to say i didn't realize how much i missed the matt remke baseball comparisons to comic book yeah. projects I, I you mentioned at the beginning of wandavision where uh i think they got their hands on a fastball and we're looking at a home run right here and that's like the best comparison i can think of of like let the players juice it's good for the ratings oh wait now it's frowned upon now like they're kind of going crazy and post retirement screw those guys and then like you said no one watches baseball anymore like they killed the game essentially by doing that and they don't have responsibility ah great comparison. baseball ended on november 3rd 2016 that's the last day baseball actually happened go cubs um i'll bring more baseball analogies i'll think about it a little more <laughs> i love it i love it but the senior alluding to that didn't so much get a pop from me but a confusion um because midway through i was like oh my god is that a lane from seinfeld because my yeah, mom loves seinfeld like oh. like my mom grew up on seinfeld and then or no she didn't it no, was kind of what what year was seinfeld what decade that late 80s through the 90s so okay you, so you that were born was... at the end of the seinfeld run Okay, my my mom was watching Seinfeld uh, high school into college around those there years because she like my yeah. I you hear me sometimes profess about my love for How I Met Your Mother like that's like my sitcom. My mm -hmm. mom loves Seinfeld. Seinfeld. So when I when my I heard the same way when I saw this this cameo, I was like oh, I would kind of want to text my mom to be like, Yo, Elaine's in uh the MCU. But back back to what she means to the MCU is that uh, what you did? You text I texted mom? my dad immediately. I take I, I, I paused it. the show at two a.m. and said. Dad, Julia, Julia Louis-Dreyfus is in a Marvel show right now. I can't tell you. I'm standing on top of my bed at this point. Like, I, I love it. Seinfeld, your mom watched it through high school and college. My dad watched it through college and early parenthood. So Seinfeld was on in my house still to this day. You go to my father's house at 6 p.m. Eastern, he's watching Seinfeld. I promise you that with that. everything I have. And Julia Louis-Dreyfus specifically, between that and Beep, I say it, and I'll, and I'll own it, the greatest female comedian of all time. To wow. get her into the MCU is so unbelievably, um, wow, it's going to date me. It's so swag, and it's such a, <laughs> such a, you know, pardon, my, it's such a big dick move by Marvel to bring in Julia Louis-Dreyfus and no one knew about it. Like, like we talked, I'm, I'm sorry, we're going to get into the uh, Madam Hydra stuff. I got to talk about JLD <laughs> real quick. Yeah, you got it. We talked earlier in the Slack about, you know, the cameo. And this is what we talked about. You know, the hype outside of the show tends to ruin the show sometimes. It happened in WandaVision. It happened here for a lot of people. Oh, this was the big cameo, an old 90s actress that, you know, a character nobody knows. Yes, you're right. This was an obscure character played by somebody you weren't expecting. But a cameo to me is a big name actor or actress that you didn't expect to be in this movie, you know? the greatest movie of all time, Kong Skull Island, when John C. Riley showed up, I had no clue. And it was a great cameo. But, but, in the trailer. You know, <laughs> <laughs> ah, ah. you see, I didn't see the trailer, Liam, so it was I a pop for me. Yeah. Um, but like JLD, to get her, like, guys, that's a lot of money. Like that's, that's Mickey Mouse buddy being thrown her way. And, and I, I love that she seems to be moving forward. I just got to give a shout out to the fact that what a pull. What a unique and awesome poll that, you know, Catherine Hahn vibes for JLD. Absolutely. And I, I love the, I'll call it sarcastic power that she brings to the role. Kind of, yes. kind of Justin Hammer vibes of like, Hey, we're sarcastic. We're witty. We're having a good time, but 
let's know who's in charge right now. She runs down like, oh, John Walker, I know you took the serum. How about that? And I know you don't have the shield either. But anyways, give me a call on this (laughs) blank card. Give me a call on this blank card because I know you're so intrigued right now. You're going to do your research and you're going to find me somehow. I Mm -hmm. loved it. The way she hands uh, the wife. Wife? Yeah, wife. Yeah. Wife. That actress is beautiful, by the way. I was enthralled just by like when she looked all sad. Wow. But like, you know, who are you? And then she just goes, yeah, yeah. And the hands of the card while she keeps talking to John Walker, but the card has nothing on it. I, that was so, she's so good. She was, in, we saw her for two minutes and she captured me immediately. And let's talk about the implications of her being in this show. I wouldn't mm-hmm. say in this show. I think just the future of the MCU. I don't expect her to appear in episode six, um, really. Maybe she, maybe there's a sneaky chance, but this would have got a much bigger pop if COVID didn't happen straight up Mm -hmm. because apparently the rumor is, uh, I don't know if it was confirmed yet, but she's going to be in Black Widow and, you know, we would have seen her character name, which Matt has so graciously dropped here, Valentina Allegra de Fonte, but you can just call me Val because it's so dope. (laughs) Uh, Val was supposed to debut in Black Widow, which would have come out May of 22, May of 2020. And then Falcon Winter Soldier would have dropped August of 2020. So seeing a character that we had just been introduced to in the previous Marvel project, it would have hit so much harder. But now I'm that much more excited to see her pop up in Black Widow because it implies it's going to Black Widow, obviously being a prequel, it's going to kind of pepper her mysterious role in with some backstory. You know, she's also known in the comics as Madam Hydra. And I know she also has some Thunderbolts ties. Matt, Mm -hmm. how stoked are we for JLD? uh elaine from seinfeld potentially yeah. ringing up the thunderbolts dude it's so perfect it's so perfect and and uh valentina allegra de fontaine um i i refuse to call her val sorry um she <laughs> in the comics in the comics like her origin is through nick fury you know she is a nick fury number two uh uh a different maria hill if you would you know what i mean okay uh you know a more a more mysterious and uh just what about cat Black Cat from Spider-Man meets Maria Hill. That's kind of the vibe that I've gotten through research because I've seen her in comics just pop up randomly. Uh, Spider-Woman comics I've seen her in mm-hmm. um, as Madam Hydra, obviously. But, you know, if she brings in the Thunderbolts or the Dark Avengers, like if she's in charge of that instead of Thunderbolt Ross, one, I think that's a good move. Not Nothing against William Hurt, but, you know, he's. I think he may have aged out of the Thunderbolt, Thunderbolt Ross role a little bit. Um but if she brings that role and she is the one delivering this misfit team, rather it be Thunderbolts or Dark Avengers, for her to be the bizarro Nick Fury, like like such an awesome like take on a obscure comic book character. I think the casting is perfect to have that sarcastic bitch. You've been to space. Elaine can deliver that line, and um, oh, yeah. you know I think that the implications are awesome. And I just can't wait to see what happens moving forward. Got me that much more excited for Black Widow. I'm sure there was some re-editing done to make it not, you know, the first time we see this character, but the second time we see this character. I I wonder what was done in post to kind of rework that a little bit. Um, But, you know, you see the players in field of this show and in that movie. Gotta be Thunderbolts. It's gotta be. And And we'll talk about that later. That's called a tease in the biz there, Liam. I love that. I love that. And you mentioned uh, some some post-production uh, reworkings. I feel like this segues uh, very well into our next talking point, and that's with the Flag Smashers. Matt, 
I really dug the Flag Smashers week one. I really dug them week two. But this week, it's not that I don't think that they're good villains. I just think that they are the victim of rewrites. And, you know, we've speculated for about a year now that Falcon Winter Soldier was uh, going to have a uh, viral virus plot, you know, a, a pandemic plot line. And due to events that are still going on, you know, COVID is still prevalent. They reworked Get your vaccine. It. Get your vaccine. Absolutely. Uh, they reworked it. And there are still some sprinkles that this was originally the plan. That vaccines uh, transport that they were hijacking in episode two never kind of got brought up again. There's a fantastic new rock stars video. Shout out new rock stars where they break down all the different elements of uh, where they think stuff got reworked. Just like lines of dialogue nice. that are being delivered off screen um, while another character is being shown, showing how they could have been like inserted in post-production. Where we're going in this finale, it very much feels like the Flag Smashers story was altered. And I think they've done the best that they could, but it still hinders on, on what could have been. And yeah, the Flag Smashers this episode, I thought this I thought this was their weakest episode, bar none. And my my stock in them has significantly dropped after week one when I was like, these guys are Thanos sympathizers. This is so cool. So now it, they're kind of becoming less interesting, which I think is kind of fair to say. I completely agree. And I, I, I want you to see me in that video because I, I think you're right where... At the beginning of the show, they were building a, they planted the seeds for a very multi-layered dynamic, you know, antagonist group, you know, like obviously Carly and Aaron Kellerman is the face of it, but like, you know, the Flag Smashers as a group is what everybody talks about. Um, but, you know, as the show's gone on, they've become less interesting. And um, I think, you know, I, I think it makes sense as some, you know, detailed um, depth to that character, if you look at him as a whole, um, was taken out and it makes sense. You know, you know, the, the coronavirus has, you know, put certain words and phrases and ideas in everyone's head that hit different, you know, pandemic, isn't the same word it was a year ago. And, and I totally understand the rewrite. I'm not faulting this show for any sort of rewrite that lessened this character, but unfortunately the way it shakes out, they seem to be the last standing antagonist amongst a rose, a rogues gallery that the Falcon and the Winter Soldier has built. You know, Power Broker, John Walker, uh, uh, the Flag Smashers, and uh, you know Sharon Carter's mystery, and all you know. The, we talked about it for the past couple of weeks. So many pieces in play. Zemo, Zemo was another antagonist. All the different Patrick points of Belisher. pressure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, him. Um, all these different points of pressure on our two main characters. They did a great job taking some of them off this episode. You know, Zemo and then Batrick's kind of teaming up with Sharon a little bit and all these different things. But unfortunately for me, the last, you know, it seems like the Flag Smasher is going to be the final boss in the show. They're the plot line I'm least interested in. You know, I, I loved the John Walker dynamic with Sam and Bucky so much more than what they've been doing with the Flag Smasher stuff. And, you know, it it it, it it's unfortunate, you know, for me personally, just because I enjoy the other aspects of the show more than the Flag Smashers. And they seem to be playing a pivotal role in turning into kind of jobbers of this finale a little bit. You know, it's going to be the power broker, you know, kind of using the Flag Smashers as meat shields. And that, I, I, I don't love that. But... I'm confident that it's going to be cool. 
I do want to say real quick, you know, I was very negative about the Flag Smashers. Aaron Kellerman is electric on screen. Oh, yeah. Her face, her hair, her freckles, everything about her, her, her smile is just, just intoxicating. And, you know, I got to thank for curly-headed redheads with freckles, you know. I, that's kind of that's kind of my thing. Shout out my wife, my fiance. Um, but Aaron Kellerman, I, I do love as an actress on screen. And she low-key maybe want to rewatch Solo. That's big. That's big. That's that movie big. stinks. <laughs> so that's that's um, a win yeah. in my book. I agree. I agree with you. The Flag Smashers have become more underwhelming as the show's gone on, and I think it's unfortunate that they are the final boss that we are heading to. I I'm interested to see what happens next week, especially because I still feel like John. They're kind of pivoting, not pivoting, but placing John Walker as there is a rematch going down next week. Um, with that post credit scene of him, you know, constructing on the shield, the the flag smashers almost feel like that necessary like army, you know, for for Falcon and Winter Soldier to to fight against. WandaVision didn't need that because it was kind of a a one on one or a two on two, if you will, with with White Vision taking on regular Vision and then Agatha taking on Wanda. There there was no need for like an external army, but just the fact of how many characters we have at play here, uh, the flag smashers might just be filling that Chitari outriders role of like, we got, we got bodies so that we can have a big action set piece in New York city, which is still going to be dope. I'm excited for it. We're back in New York. Yeah. When was the last time we were in New York? I mean, far Uh, from home at the end of the movie, but like, other than that, I, is it 2012? Like we haven't had a climactic battle. Well, technically vulture versus Spider-Man was in the skies of New York. And then they were kind of like on like a, a beach nearby. I wish but we that haven't scene had was just like a little better. Yeah, that I wish that homecoming scene was just like a tad uh, like I had one more big action thing happen. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, I I, I hear that. But yeah, <laughs> I don't think we've had a I don't think we've had a climactic battle in New York since maybe 2012. And not That's a big I, based on based on trailer footage. It looks like it's going to be a nighttime battle, which is just from a cinematography standpoint is going to look super dope. We'll get to the suit later. Well, we'll talk about okay. that later. Okay. Put a pin in Let's, that though. Bring that up when we bring that up. Absolutely. Let's talk about Zemo. Let's yeah. uh, let's talk. Uh, what, what's the what's the line from the end of episode two? We're going to see Zemo. We're going to see Zemo We're right now. Going to now. see Zemo. Yep. Q Requiem and all that. Uh, Zemo, I, I really dug in this episode, and honestly, only the one scene we get him in, because again. His character is just so consistently written, and I love it. Uh, the the Bucky, Bucky going to confront him and him being like, you're, you're a killer, James. Like, go on, kill me. And James pulls the trigger, but no clip, you know, empties the bullets in front of him. Dora Milaje taking him away again. You know, <laughs> the, the living are not done with you yet. Shout out to Chala, rest in power. Chadwick Boseman. Matt, I want to get your thoughts. Zemo, going back to the raft, still alive. Where are we going to see him next? Why is he going to the raft? Why would the Wakandans send him to the raft, though? Like, instead of a Wakandan prison? You know what I mean? Like, he's a fugitive of Wakanda. Pretty specifically. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, I I mean, Thunderbolts is the reason. That's the answer. But, but, you know, it it was interesting. Like, when I heard her say, we're going to take him to the raft, I was like, oh. Like, I didn't know Wakandans dealt with raft dealings, you know? Like, are we going to get a AO Thunderbolt Ross conversation at some point? Because that would be weird, you know? Uh, <laughs> That'd be but, very strange, yeah. 
I thought that was interesting. I, I, I think it is plot driven, you know, just to get him in a space where Thunderbolts could happen, which, you know, the raft is the place to do that. Um, shout out the raft and Spider-Man 2018 PS4 game. Awesome storyline with the raft. Very good. But um, I thought Zemo's, like you said, incredibly consistent. One of the best written characters in this show. I mean, David, uh, Daniel Brule, unbelievable. But um, I did find it interesting that that scene at the Sokovia Memorial, he gets face-to-face with Bucky again after all they've been through throughout this entire show. The conversation was primarily about Carly. You know, everything that they talked about was about the Flag Smashers and Carly and how they need to be stopped. And, you know, I, I can't be here to stop the super soldiers. You need to do it, James, all that stuff, which I thought was cool and a great character point there. It, it's interesting to me that that wasn't a more personal conversation. You know, I, I expected a little more. Uh, I don't know. I, it, it was it was really it was really good. It was just not exactly what I thought was about to happen in that moment. Well, there were some personal moments when he was like, like, you know, yeah, uh, you can cross me off your list, James, and all that. Like, you know, like uh, how happy oh. I am, you know, I'm trying to get the Zemo accent down because I saw it. You got to cut it. Sh- you got to cut it just a little shorter. It's more British than German. Mm. And I think you need to get a mm. little more German with it. Uh, Let's work on it off screen. <laughs> back in Sokovia. I, I can't. Yeah, I can't do it now. But uh, Have you visited the memorial. Didn't think so. Yeah, oh, that, that was good. I like that. Thanks. That was good. Matt, Matt's got the Zemo accent down. Yeah, really but yeah, bad. future Zemo, it's got to it's be Thunderbolts. And one aspect I find kind of a conflict of interest in the future is we kind of expect if if Madam Hydra, uh, you know, JLD is going to be assembling everyone. If John Walker is going to be a part of that team and he's a super soldier, how is Zemo going to, aren't they going to clash? Like that's a natural, like, opposite ends of the spectrum you can't be allowed to exist and you're the crazy kind like it's not even like bucky where it's like ah well you're a little bit different i'll let it slide like no you are a problem so john walker and zemo on the same team i think that's just such a combustible pairing and honestly it kind of makes me more excited because i'm like that's that's awesome that's a layered team that's thunderbolts baby like like that that's that's the script you know like people who don't want to be together but they are you know, that's kind of the differentiating thing from them in the Suicide Squad. Like, like the fact that Zemo and John Walker could potentially be on the same team and they're so inherently contrasting, you know, like like John Walker is everything that Zemo has been warning us about for five years. Like we have been hearing Zemo talk about what if this happens and then John Walker happened. It's exactly what he was afraid of. And it... I. I can't wait to see what they do with it because he is the post-credit scene favorite at this point, right? Zemo. It's got and it. maybe JLD. Like, yeah. I, I, it just it it feels so natural for the raft to be broken into once again. You know, the raft's got to figure this shit out. I will say that. <laughs> but you know, for John Walker to break into the raft with JLD and find Zemo, like that has to be the favorite for one of the two post-credit scenes we're getting next week. I can't believe this is over next week. I. I I don't want it to be done. It's such a good show. <laughs> I didn't even consider we're definitely getting two post credits. Absolutely. Scenes. It's, it's going to follow the exact pattern. We actually wanted vision gave us three weeks of post credit scenes, right? Didn't they three give weeks us some post credits? Yeah. Snoop is gone. Snoop white vision. And then two in the finale. Yes. Yes. So okay. we're only going to get two weeks here because we did get one this week. We didn't talk about, yeah. um, but uh, I'm going to blow your mind one more time. Two post credit scenes we're thinking, right? Uh huh. Is, is there a scroll one? Because two <sighs> projects in a row. 
two projects in a row we've gotten scroll post credit scenes they're everywhere i'm just saying they're everywhere they're even in the loki trailer if you pause at that one frame you know scroll's gonna show up in the in the tva it's that that was the header that was the header of the section of the article i wrote scrolls dot 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 they're everywhere (laughs) they're even in the loki trailer like it's unbelievable they are everywhere and can we talk about someone that Yes, I was uh, I was about to give a great segue. I was about to say I'm someone sorry. else is someone who else is everywhere is Sam Wilson. His name is in the title. Um, but segue. anyways, Sam Wilson's journey in this episode. Talk about just you know you learn about it in English class. The, the, the hero's journey from point A to point B, all the way to point Z, essentially is where we get with Sam. Yeah. In this episode, the man's ready, man. He oh. is ready for the stars and stripes. Sure. Not that he wasn't week one. But I think he had a lot to prove to the audience because I think naturally you were going to have some people being like, regardless of who took on the shield, people were going to say, you're not Steve. And I think if Sam was Captain America from week one, we kind of might have been like, you know, he's good, but he ain't no Steve Rogers. And this episode proved he isn't Steve Rogers. He is Sam Wilson in his own way. And he's elevating that Captain America mantle because he he gave a lot of moments in this episode that made me think like he's almost better than Steve Rogers in this aspect. And he may be a little worse in this aspect. And overall, you're still netting the fact that he's Captain America in my eyes. And I'll get into that in just a little bit in our little segment we like to call Lines That Matter. We'll get into it in a bit. Lines That Matter. I want to hear your thoughts. Sam Wilson's journey. How dope was that training montage? It was so great. It was uh we got two montages this episode, which you know some people will come out and say, dude, do we really need two montages? And I and I say yes. I say yes <laughs> because this has been an 80s buddy cop movie this entire time. And what is more 80s buddy cop movie than a good old montage, man? And it mm. was so well done. The training one. I talked to you about it. I, I talked to you off air about it because I didn't want to seem pessimistic because Unfortunately, for whatever reason, I've been painted as the guy who, as soon as they say something negative about Falcon and Winter Soldier, I'm just saying that because it's not WandaVision. I don't know who did that, Liam, but I don't think that I've been doing a lot of WandaVision you know, comparisons, Liam. But that being said, Liam, I, <laughs> I think that this fits so perfectly, the training montage, and I was so worried because this, this training montage, a lot of this footage... This montage, the conversations with Bucky, all that was trailer footage. Like, not mm. just like like teaser stuff, like official trailer, the Disney Plus trailer. A lot of that was here. And I talked to Liam offline about it. And I said, I really hope this isn't the final scene of the show because that would have, that it would be such a letdown, I think, if, if most of the trailer footage was the final scene of the show. And man, was I happy when they started getting into those trees and started throwing that shield. I was. Ex- I was ecstatic. I was through the roof excited, not just because it was a great scene, because it wasn't next week. You know what I mean? Mm. It was it was April 6th. It's April 16th. It's not April 23rd. And I thought it was so so great and we got to see it. You know, like like a lot of monta- a lot of the Star Wars problems is, you know, we don't really see them become a better Jedi. So how do we expect that they're this good at being a Jedi? This montage, I think, did what it was supposed to do in such an 80s way. And wow, is Tony Mackie big? Oh, man. 
he mm, like like a different kind of big than steve was you know what i mean like steve was bulky this guy's like round in certain areas and yeah. i think it's it's just so awesome i loved it i absolutely loved it yeah i dug the training montage again just like you i, I popped for the fact that it was this week i was like mm-hmm. i we when we chatted about it it doesn't matter how great a moment in a finale is if we saw you know portals in an avengers endgame trailer it lets the air out of the finale, doesn't it? Like we would be going crazy in the trailer, and then yeah, it, it feels a little gross. It's got a bad it? taste in my mouth. <laughs> yeah, get, get that out of here. Like what a scene. They can incorporate it in in like two or three weeks when it's like you yeah. know people have seen and, it, and now we and they did, <laughs> and, and they, they did. did, they did very much. Like I'm seeing trailers a month into Endgame where Cap gets the hammer, and I'm like, wow, okay, wow. we're just yeah. we're we're showing it all now. Like if you haven't seen it. 36 hours. <laughs> 30 say, hey, that's that's the rule for TV shows. I'll give two weeks for movies. Two sure, weekends. Sure. That's, that's that. what you get. But yeah, the, the montage was great. I immediately here at Syracuse, you got to schedule your gym times. And I immediately went on the wellness portal and said, yeah, give me a leg day because I need to I need, I need to hit the weights. Tony Stackey's getting me motivated. It was dope. And I also loved that they addressed one of, you know, that thing does not obey the laws of physics at all. I also wonder, how is it so easy to just catch that shield? And it's not. You know, it's flying over Sam's head. He's, he's <laughs> ducking out of the way. It almost decapitates him. It still doesn't make perfect sense. But at, no least sense. They show, they, at least they show the struggle. Right. At least they show, right. like, you know, he, he got there eventually. 100%, you're 100% right. And one thing that I, I la- laughed at a lot was later in the training montage, when he kind of has the hang of it, he throws it at one of the docks, one of, like, the pillars in the water, and I'm like, dude, thank God you're at this level. Because if you miss that and you set that soaring into the lake, you're never getting it back. <laughs> like, kill, you're going to kill somebody. <laughs> or, yeah, but, like, imagine, like, he fights for five episodes. This shield has made it through thick and thin through through <laughs> decades of being frozen in water. And Sam Blood. just, yeah, so the, the Bucky, remember how you said the shield was the last thing you had to a family? Well, I accidentally dropped it in the lake. And, uh... <laughs> We're, we're gonna back. need to call in a <laughs> submarine or something. Yeah. 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 Namor makes his appearance, getting the shield out of the bottom of Sam's lake. Um, I I will say a a, a scene that they one hundred percent could have put in here, but I'm glad they didn't. Was Sam like chucking the shield and then not being able to catch it right away, which they did so much of, which I appreciated so much. They could have had a moment where it goes over his head and then like into the wall of the house, just missing one of the kids. You know, like just missing the nephew. I'm so glad they didn't put that in because it was terrifying watching that shield fly over his head. Like, like that's dangerous training. Like he had to tell the boys, you stay inside an hour after I'm done. Like, like don't, don't take any risk (laughs) with this thing because it'll kill you. (laughs) Yeah. Go to school and please tell me it's not a half day. Like you're, you're there for a full seven class day. You call me before you get home. You call me an hour before you get home. <laughs> I'm training with a weapon that the, the not even a weapon. I guess it's a shield. But at this point, John Walker's kind of redefined the shield is offensive at this point. You know, it goes Isn't that on the cool? attack. Isn't that yeah. awesome, though? Yeah, it's another oh, layer. There's so much more Sam to talk about. I can't wait. There is so much more. Uh, let's get into Isaiah and Sam's conversation because this was, as we said, one of our most hype moments because – you, you put Isaiah in episode two. We're all expecting him to come back eventually. And when that Baltimore, Maryland title card came up, I was like, here we so go. Mm-hmm. Sam gets that quick little interaction with Eli Bradley. 
we've only seen, you know, seconds of him, but I'm already so stoked to see him lead the young Avengers one day, hopefully knock on wood. We'll see what happens. But that conversation with, uh, yeah, Airball Bradley, he <laughs> wasn't making his shots. He wasn't even close. He wasn't even kind of close. <laughs> wasn't even close. He better, better as a, as the Patriot than as an NBA player. So I hope so. <laughs> well, I, I hope, hope so for sure. But Isaiah Bradley getting to know some of his backstory, getting some, some, uh, color in, in the black and white that he kind of described of what went on, um, in, in the fifties in the Vietnam war heartbreaking uh carl lumley big shout out to him you know this show is is so so well acted on all fronts and to take a character that we have literally never seen before and and give a history that we likely will never see in like flashbacks or anything hopefully here's hoping one day um and, and make it feel lived in and make it feel authentic is such a testament to someone's acting prowess and yeah shout out carl lumley for for delivering the hell out of this scene uh, it didn't make me cry, but it, it made me like the, the, the chills were there. I was like, dude, uh, to see it in his eyes, to see the sorrow, um, to see like kind of the shakes and to see him. What broke my heart the most was when he's sharing the history with Sam and he's giving him like pictures and giving him letters. He was almost like he didn't want to admit it, but he was almost excited that someone like cared about his life mm-hmm. again because he's been erased from history. And yeah, looking back at it like that. I like almost want to cry because he's like, he's so wanting to shut the world out. And here's one person who's interested and he's like, you care. Mm -hmm. Wow. Move. Yeah. He apologized because Sam wanted to know what happened and he went off on a tangent, but that's all he knows how to do because he's the only one telling his history. And you're right. I mean, this was, this was the emotional scene that, uh, Spellman's told everybody this is going to make you cry. And and he was 100% right that this scene should make people cry. But I think there's a difference here, and I think it's an organic difference. Liam, I'm going to face you with the hard truth right now. Me and you, we're both a couple white kids. We're yep. both a couple middle-class white kids. And this, I think, this scene, for me anyway, I think it did what it was supposed to do for me. It made me think and it made me uncomfortable, which is exactly what I think this scene was set out to do. It's so profoundly, and just like the rest of the show, organically laid out the difference between what happened to Steve and what happened to Isaiah when they did the exact same thing. Not follow orders, go save their guys and get them back because something's happening. And, you know, I I was just so moved by the realness of this because it, it so spoke to modern day times in such a comic booky way. You know, they tested on me and, you know, they, they put me in jail for 30 years, all that stuff. But, like, that's real shit. And it was so well acted by Carl uh, Lumley, right? Lumley, yeah, you got it. Car- Carl Lumley, who I think did an amazing job. Anthony Mackie did a great job reacting to a lot of it because, you know, and, and Sam had a very natural reaction. Like, look, that happened then. It's messed up that it happened. I'm an Avenger. Like, like we we can tell people about this. Like, this is woke America, all that stuff. And and Carl Lumley, Isaiah Bradley was, no, don't don't bring it back up. I've 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 made as much peace as I'm gonna make with it, which is such a sad thing to think about. But it's exactly what happened. And this conversation was sophisticated and real. And I love the organic take on racism in this show because it doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel half-assed just to say that they did it. It feels rooted, and I appreciate it so much. The line, 
no self-respecting black man would want to be Captain America. I, I have thought about this scene, this conversation, for what, three, four weeks now? Since you, you brought this up to me months ago, that this yeah. was going to happen at some point, right? Yeah. I've been thinking about this a lot. I never would have expected him to say that. You know, and, and, and he has every reason to believe that every reason to the end of the earth to have that, have those thoughts and feelings. And it's so poignant and respectable. And Sam Wilson even respects it. If I were him and I went through what he went through, I would, I would feel the same way. What I was not expecting even more though, was for Sam and his sister, Sarah to essentially say, oh, are you going to let that, you know, let that stop you kind of thing. Like, you know, let Isaiah Bradley's opinions, you know, affect how you're going to do it. And Sam says, I respect his thoughts. I respect his feelings. I respect his emotions. But I got to do me and I got to fight my fight. I feel you, but I think you're wrong. I did not expect Sam to take that away from Isaiah Bradley's conversation. I expected Isaiah Bradley to give Sam the push, where in reality what we got was Isaiah Bradley gave Sam kind of a headstone to go off of. You know, kind of pulled him back a little bit, and Sam had to make a difficult decision off screen to say, you know what, despite everything you went through, I'm going to still fight for us, which is still emotional and still a beautiful take on this whole situation. Not what I was expecting, though. I was a little jarred by that. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, echo everything you said. Obviously, there we we cannot resonate with the scene as much as other people will, and I think that's just right. a testament to how great marvel studios is and how aware they are of like their audience because it's taken a while to get here obviously phase one was very you know white male leads and now we got black widow we got shang chi we got falcon and winter soldier and even though it's it's two title characters in there falcon is is front and center as bucky's almost lead two to to anthony mackie's lead one captain marvel think, black panther absolutely yeah so many i i couldn't even mention and that just goes to show that you know how diverse the roster is getting which is phenomenal i think that this scene is already established in like mcu history as one that's going to be looked back on as a massive turning point and i i almost want to rewatch it again right now just because of everything that was implied and i also like the idea of and further emphasizing why sam wilson is the right fit to be captain america because for everything uh isaiah bradley went through he has that you know remorse of like not remorse excuse me like that he's got hatred, you know, he's got hatred in his heart because of his circumstance. And you can't even, yeah, bitter is the right word. You can't even fault him for it because of everything he was put through. But Sam doesn't see that as let me, let me inherit that bitterness and and fight back against them. Like we are in a, we're in a different time period. Now there are still some problems. Don't get me wrong, but like, let's work together. Let's work to, to mend these fences, build that bridge once again, rather than push back. And I think that just goes to show why, like, this show has very much established who is the right person to be Captain America, not who is going to fill Steve Rogers shoes because Steve Rogers shoes are like full on retired. There's never going to be another Steve Rogers, but there can be a first Sam Wilson. And I feel like Mackie proved that in not only the conversation with Bradley, but the reaction he gave afterwards of like, yeah, but if I, if I give up now and go in my other direction, was all that work worth? was all that work worth it was all that pain and suffering worth it. Like, we got a place to go and let's, let's get to work essentially. Absolutely. And, and I think that, um, I think you hit the nail on the head that this, this conversation meant different things to different people. And, um, I, I appreciate them taking the time to focus on that, you know, people of color, 
uh, you know, black people in America who have been wanting a superhero, this was a moment for them. And and I can't I can't understand it. I never will be able to. But I appreciate that they took the time to talk to those people. I you know I know we gotta get to the suit. We gotta get to the suit. I'm just so yeah. sad. But real quick, I want to point out his conversation with with Bucky during yes, the montage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the conversation with Bucky where he basically calls you know he he gets into therapeutic Sam mode, and mm. and I I mentioned earlier I'm I am hesitant to compare this show to WandaVision because I, for some reason, have been labeled as the guy who, if it's not WandaVision, that's why I don't like it. So I've been hesitant to compare them. And we, we've we also talked about it for, what, a month now? They're such different shows. It's, it's, it mm-hmm. seems silly it's to compare It's apples and oranges. Yeah. Absolutely. But one thing, my favorite thing about WandaVision was the acting. What Lizzie Olsen and Paul Bettany brought to the table there. And, and I'm not... I'm not I don't think anybody in this show has reached that level of acting. I also don't think anybody in the show has been given that script, that emotion to act off of. But just like Lizzie Olsen is so good at showing us Wanda's emotions. Like like you feel what Wanda's feeling throughout that show. Sam Wilson, Anthony Mackie being a counselor when he gets that voice of understanding and conversation and he is that uh you know the guy we met winter soldier counseling veterans and getting through that when that happens when tony mackey hits that note and he becomes that sam wilson veteran counselor like he was with bucky like he was with isaiah like he was with carly throughout the entire show when he hits that note that is as good as acting as you're going to get in the mcu i think it's it's the only thing that is in the conversation of some of the best acting we've seen in the MCU because it's just it's you you feel like like Sam Wilson cares. And I just want to shout out Tony Mackey for being able to turn on that dime and have that voice to to understand people. Like like he you really feel like Sam understands these people and he's trying to help. That's what made the Carly scene so great last episode. The Isaiah scene had so much reacting that I think hit that but when Sam started talking to Bucky and said, you ready for some hard truths? Like, like you really feel like he cares and he's trying to help and he does because that's what he's good at. That is Sam Wilson. He's there to help, which that's Captain America, man. That's my cap. I can't fucking wait for next week. I'm so, so stoked for next week. But so much of my like response to that is rooted in some specific examples. And I feel like it's only appropriate to now transition into hit me with it. Lies that matter before we talk about the suit. Lies that matter, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the podcast with inside the podcast of the direct podcast. This is Lies That Matter, where we dive into different lines of dialogue throughout the Falcon and the Winter Soldier that we find have a bigger importance than what might be on screen. Ladies and gentlemen, Liam Crowley is about to own this segment of Lies That Matter. Liam. Sam Wilson hit me. Absolutely. Got one right off the bat. And that is when he's talking to Bucky and he says, you up for a little tough love. You want to climb out of that hell you're in. Do the work. This is one of the most concrete examples I've found of why Sam and Steve are different sides of the same coin almost because Steve in Avengers Endgame says, you know, I saw a couple more whales in the Hudson. And, you know, if you're going to tell me to look on the bright side, like I'm going to bet you about to hit you in the face with a peanut butter jelly sandwich. Sam is not going to be like, hey, everything's everything's good. Buck, you've been making amends like you've been crossing names off the list. Tough love, you know, straight up. You want to you want to be better. 
you want, you got to stop looking to everyone else to tell you who to be. Find that internal resolution and then be James Buchanan Barnes. Like the winter soldier only lives in you as long as you let it live in you and like shape up tough love. Let's move on. And again, that's just another testament to why Sam Wilson deserves to be Captain America. He's the right man for the job, but he's also not the next Steve Rogers. He is the first Sam Wilson for all the right reasons. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I, and like I just said, I just think Anthony Mackey does that so well and i'm so happy about it um another line that matters from that scene um just confirmation line when steve told me what he was going to do we didn't consider what giving the shield to a black man would be two things one that confirms that steve can you know talk to bucky before he made that decision which retroactive marvel makes Endgame so much better. Like, it makes that scene so much more sweet. And I love it. Can't wait to watch Endgame again because of that line. Um, but also, like, the boldness in the in the awareness from Spellman and his team and this, this entire show to, to make Bucky apologize there. You know, like, you were right. We didn't know. And now I see how confrontational that was for you like that's such a big bold move and i'm so happy that they did it the the line specifically when bucky goes you know go ahead oh that's got so much more weight now because he knows what's gonna he knows what he's sending sam to do confirmed go ahead so great uh another line i have that matters sharon on the phone with batrock we didn't really talk about sharon um in this review because she kind of only shows up um in the end moments to set up and you know this is a perfect time to chat about her uh she's on the phone with batrock because subtitles they spoil everything I guess. um i can give you double this time i can promise you won't regret saying yes confirming that she hired batrock the original time again batrock just a pirate for hire and in, in cap winter soldier he was hired by fury you know at the very beginning so nothing he's doing is necessarily for his own motivations it's more just to you know, earn a paycheck and further uh, another character's mission. What, where we go next with uh, Sharon, Batrock, Flag Smashers, Power Broker stuff. I, I think we get our confirmation next week that Sharon is, I still want to say involved because I'm still holding that hope for the Power Broker being someone else just because I think Sharon's just so obvious. But, you know, regardless, still hype. This show is obvious, though. You know what I mean? Like, that, yeah. this show isn't pulling a fast one on us as much as we maybe expected it to. But I'm going to try to uh, follow up with that with another line. That matters. Because Carly says she called in some extra help for this big GRC ambush mission that they have, right? And then Patrick shows up. So I have questions. Did, did Carly call Sharon? If Sharon's the power broker, did Carly call the power broker? I thought they were against each other. I thought that they were scared of the power broker because that's why one of their boys died in the early episodes because the power broker's guys were coming. I, I'm i hyper confused. If Sharon is the power broker, why is she now working with the Flag Smashers when this whole season she's been against them? Also, if she's not the power broker, my concern I don't really have this concern, but in the WandaVision finale, a lot of people didn't like that Monica didn't have a big presence in the finale. John Walker, the Flag Smashers, Botrick the Leaper, Sharon Carter, if she's not the Power Broker, the Power Broker, who's going to get cast aside here? 
does Sharon Carter have a less than exciting role here in the finale? And do we look at it? Do we look at her whole presence in the show differently because she was just kind of there to be there? It's a very good point. And I, again, making excuses for this show, but I feel like victim of rewrites. I, I don't think that the, the flag smasher team up might've been the original uh, motivation or the original idea. I think power broker and flag smashers were very separate entities. And I think just a simple rewrite would have been like, okay, how do we make this all work with how much we have to rework? Let's just have them work together. So I, I completely understand um, that perspective and don't get me wrong. I am a bit, uh, I, I can't even say let down because it's just victim of circumstance. Like what are you going to do? You're backed into a corner. And when you look at this show, not knowing what we know about production um, issues and having to rewrite, it still tells a very cohesive and yes. well done story. So it's still super impressive. But just because, you know, guys in the biz, you know, we're comic book movie journalists, we read into this stuff and then we can't not see it when it when you watch the episode. So it's a fair criticism. Uh, I have another line that matters. And it's very simple. It's two words. Sam to Torres. Keep them. Leaves him with the wings. Joaquin Torres, your new one day Falcon. I'm so, so stoked to see another dope costume. The costumes, man. The phase four costumes hit different. We're going to get green, green Falcon, bro. I can not wait. Thunderbolts. We're obviously incredibly excited for Thunderbolts, right? But this is another Young Avengers tie-in that very much could happen. Like the, just the stacked sub characters that they're building throughout these shows speed and wicked falcon now uh uh you know statures coming in ant-man and the wasp quantumania all these that uh the kate bishop all the young avengers cast uh airball bradley like we talked about earlier today the young avengers cast is so already so planted in the mcu i cannot wait to let them grow on that uh another sneaky post-credit scene favorite is joaquin phoenix and those wings yeah, maybe he throws <laughs> them on. Joaquin Phoenix. Wa- uh, Joaquin why? Torres. <laughs> Sorry. Joaquin Phoenix now playing Falcon in the Young Avengers series. Yeah, you, you wouldn't get it. You, you wouldn't get it. Shout out Joker. 2019. One, one of the yeah. last movies I saw in theaters. Kong Skull Island. Uh, not Kong Skull Island. Godzilla vs. Kong this Sunday, though. I'm excited. Yeah. Have you seen it yet? Not yet. This might return to the theater. Turn your brain off and enjoy, my friend. It's a blast. I'm, I'm getting a large <laughs> thing of popcorn, a soda yep. with just eight different flavors mixed in, and just enjoying. That's such that's a how child. we roll. I love it. I know. I, I am it. such a child. <laughs> um, I got one more line that me. matters, and that is I'm trying to find it here on my list. When, uh, where, why am I losing it? Oh my god! At the very top, uh, Lamar last week to Walker. This line yeah. hits a little different. He says that, uh, you know, talking about, oh, you're the right man for the job and everything like because you consistently make the right decisions in the heat of battle. And because, you know, that's his friend and his friend is now gone and his mind is so warped to believe that I'm in the right here. I did the right thing by killing, uh, killing the flag smasher, not the one that killed his his uh, friend, because he even lies about it later on because Hoskins parents are like, you know, you killed the man who did this. And he says, yes, he lies to their face and says like, I, it would, it would give Lamar closure knowing that like the man who killed him is now dead. Not true. Carly killed you. And Carly's still very much at large consistently makes the right decisions in the heat of battle. Like 
you didn't. You made the wrong decision in the heat of battle, and that has warped his mind. And it just gives reason to why he thinks the way he thinks. And I love it. What a great character John Walker has become, man. Um, I I know we're running long, Liam, and I'm sorry, but I there's there's uh one thing I have to talk about the suit, man. Okay. Like like this suit we're about to get next week is going to yeah, be, yeah. like, like we are getting a Wakandan made captain america eagle suit like vibranium wings bro like like this is so insanely awesome and and my favorite thing about this whole scene of him putting the trunk on the truck and all this stuff what has been one of my most nitpicky criticisms about the show the entire time not enough action no not enough uh falcon wing stuff no no wrong on both accounts the blocking and the entrances. Um, oh. I've man- I've managed to find a very obscure blocking and entrance problem with every episode so far this season. But I know. Finally, finally, we have got a cool entrance in this show because uh, uh, Bucky doesn't just walk off the side of the camera and say, "Hey, I can help with that." They say, "How are we going to move this giant engine off the truck?" And then we see it get lifted up by Bucky, and it, and I was like, "Yes, this is what I've been waiting for." And then he slams the case down. And he says, "Ask the Wakandans for one more favor." Oh my God, the Scarlet Witch outfit is one of the greatest mcu outfits we have ever gotten this is about to get to that level of awesome my question from earlier is going to be a night sequence we assume uh next week in this final battle where we'll probably see the suit for the first time do you kind of wish maybe it was in the day because this is going to be such an awesome suit how are they going to light it i don't know what what are your thoughts on what you expect from this eagle suit it's still New York City, like a lot of artificial light. That's a going good point. Around. That's like, a good point. Yeah, it, it'll it'll be bright. Um, but yeah, I, I will want to see. I feel like we don't end with a battle. I feel like remember how Wanda got her moment of when she left Westview, and it was very like well lit, and even in the post credit scene, we'll see Falcon. I think we'll we'll see maybe not another training montage, but you know him flying around, kind of like Spidey at the end of Far From Home, flying around, swinging around New York City with with the new black and red, which they're kind of making his new colors, which I really dig because I like I like red and blue as Captain America colors, you know. And I, I like even though the Spider Man suit is iconic, I like that they're kind of pivoting and giving him his own um, identity. Again, I digress tangent, but yeah, man, that suit's gonna be sweet. What about white and blue? You, you a fan of white and blue? Because that's what we're about to get. And it's going to be yeah. electric, dude. Oh, it's man. Good. It's going to be so special. Excited. The fact that it's Wakandan made, man. First black Captain America suit made by Wakanda. You know, like that gives the shield a lot more validation because that's stolen vibranium. You know what I mean? Like, like this is Wakandan approved Captain America. Are you kidding me? It, oh, everything matters. It's all vibranium. I didn't even consider that, including the shield. Doesn't need the serum, bro. Got a vibranium suit. He is Iron Man, but with a Captain America logo. It's gonna be dope. I cannot. Straight up, yeah, he's bulletproof at this point. We saw, we saw T'Challa turn in Civil War. The barrage of bullets hitting him, like he's bulletproof. Great scene. Unless you have any more, I feel like that kind of concludes lines that matter let's talk real quick about where we're going next week we got a big new york city fight there was some chatter in the slack channel about if we're going to see any other manhattan-based avengers pop up in this finale i will say off the bat i don't want there to be 
Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be like, oh man, Spider-Man's here. Oh, Dr. Strange is here. Hmm, I'm angry. Like I'm going to be so excited, but Spidey shows up. <laughs> I'll, I'll be excited, but yeah. I like the idea of moving towards, it's been a while since we've got a real solo project. And I feel like WandaVision was the first one in, in a minute because Far From Home had uh, Nick Fury um, and, a, and a big shield presence. Um, Captain America Civil War obviously is basically Avengers 2.5. Thor Ragnarok teams up with the Hulk. Like we haven't Hulk. seen solo Marvel movies. I'd argue Black since Panther. like Black, Black Panther is a good one, Captain I guess. Marvel. Captain Marvel. Okay. Okay. That's fair. But it, it's I totally a, understand what you mean though. Totally understand. You know what I mean? I feel like it would be a disservice to our titular characters. Uh, if, you know, outside forces came in and we're like, here we are to save the day. Like they've been building this for five weeks. Let's let Sam and Bucky finish the fight. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, like you said, we talked about it in the Slack channel a little bit that, you know, one of the comic book movie things that we all have to do as fans, you know, suspension of disbelief is huge. I'm rewatching Harry Potter right now. Suspension of disbelief is a big part of Harry Potter. <laughs> um, Hermione Granger for president 2024. Um, I think that, I think that, you know, the suspension of belief of, well, why doesn't, you know, Carol Danvers come up and fix everything or, you know, they're battling in New York. Where's Spidey? You can't always be asking where's everybody else because then every movie turns into an Avengers movie. But I think a, a good way to get around that is what if this entire battle is indoors, contained inside? You know what I mean? Like if it's not on the news, we can all kind of speculate that the other people just didn't know it was happening, you know? So this just let's not nitpick, you know, well, why isn't Spider-Man here if it's in New York? Like let's, let's let New York be a thing in the MCU and not have to have Spider-Man or Stephen Strange show up because you, you brought it up earlier. Maybe he's in Europe right now because we know that happens around this time. Maybe he's off doing friendly neighborhood things. Uh, maybe Dr. Strange is dealing with some crazy chick in Westview, New Jersey, who just turned the world upside down. I don't know. I, I, but we need to suspend disbelief when it comes to every movie turning into an Avengers movie. If we want to legit, like Century's not going to be in the MCU for a long, long time because his whole thing is he's there when he's needed, you know, yeah. like, and, and we can play that game all day. Let's not do that. Let's enjoy what these popcorn things are. These are comic books, guys. Let's just let it happen. And I am so excited for next week. I just think that this episode was incredible. My second favorite episode of the season, I would say. Episode three still just slaps, bro. Um, but, um, but I think that this episode did an amazing job, just like WandaVision episode eight, of setting the pieces for an amazing finale. I'm very interested to see who gets the cold shoulder as far as screen time and presence because I think that is an inherent thing at this point. When you have so many moving pieces, somebody's not going to get the shine they want in the hour that is next week. It's going to be a dissect university here next week because we have a lot to discuss. We got some superlatives to hand out. There's going to be so much to talk about next week. But with that being said, that's going to conclude our review of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier episode five, Truth. Kick back here next week for our massively hyped review of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier season finale. And I say season because someone tells me we're not done with these characters just yet. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into the return of the direct list where we create 
we do what the internet does best and we create lists of things you love from the universes you love and today because of such an amazing episode of the falcon and the winter soldier we're going to be creating our top six list of thunderbolts we want to see in the mcu and for those who don't know these are former villains brought on to do good as a team called the thunderbolts but liam buddy guy friend we are not alone we are bringing on one of our favorite guests ladies and gentlemen the direct.com writer editor badass funko king john ross bradford jr what's good awesome thanks for having me I'm doing great, guys. I'm glad to be here. Glad to be back. Glad to be <laughs> shooting the stuff with you again. Nope. Hey, you we inc- we encourage you to say shit. I think around here. <laughs> we established that I, last week, I believe. Yeah. I think oh, wow. so. Okay. I think so. So, Jr., thank you so much for having us on. We know that you are very entranced with the Thunderbolt side of what this episode offered from us. If you guys mm-hmm. want to check out and learn a little more about what this episode of the Falcon and Winter Soldier, episode five, brought us as far as Thunderbolts, check out the direct.com. JR, Pierre, a lot of our different writers are doing a lot of different things to help us understand this a little better. Guys, Julia Louis Dreyfus just showed up and seemingly recruited our boy John Walker for something a little more sinister than what maybe the Avengers have going on. So let's let's just get this started. John Ross Bradford, after what we saw from this episode and the almost inevitable Thunderbolt setup we are getting from the different villains we've seen. Who do you want as our number one pick for the direct list Thunderbolts? You know, this is going to kind of feel like an obvious answer, but I want to see Thaddeus Ross. I want to see Thunderbolt Ross. Um, That's been a character that's been around since phase one. You know, they brought him back around for Civil War. He made another appearance in uh, Infinity War and Endgame. I, they they keep bringing him back. We know he's going to be in Black Widow. I I got to see him. I got I got to see Thunderbolt Ross. I got to see Red Hulk. I need it. That's what I was going to ask. Do you expect us to get you know Thaddeus Ross from the Incredible Hulk from uh, Captain America: Civil War? You know, as his government uh, director of uh, Secretary of Defense, right? Secretary of State, I think. Yeah, he's he's right? like a big government yeah. entity. Yeah. Um, do you expect that? Do you expect William Hurt or do you expect Red Hulk? Because that's a whole different development here. I don't want to say I expect it, but I hope we get it because I've been picturing it for so long, you know? And so cool. <laughs> even if it's not for long, I feel like we deserve that payoff for that character. You know, he's, sure. I mean, he's been directly tied to the Hulk story for as long as the Hulk story has been a thing in the MCU. Mm-hmm. It only makes sense that if they're going to lead into this Thunderbolts team, that they take Thunderbolt Ross and make him, you know, an asset of this team that's invaluable. And I mean, you want to talk a guy that talk about a guy that uh, takes matters into his own hands irresponsibly. It's it's Thunderbolt Ross. And if there really is a super soldier serum floating around again, we saw how reckless he was with it last time. You know, maybe he doesn't want to put it into another soldier. Maybe he wants to take it for himself this time and see what he can do, you know, because he's had a hell of a time trying to enforce these Sokovia Accords. He learned in Infinity War that if enough people say no, there's nothing he can really do to enforce that. So, I mean, it's only going to be so much longer until he finally loses it. I really hope that we get to see that in the MCU. 
Absolutely. And Thunderbolt Ross taking more of a Red Hawk role instead of a leadership role here does open the doors for Julia Louis-Dreyfus to play a big Thunderbolts role, which leads into my pick. And I'm going to take the one that we all want because he is one of our everybody's new favorite character. It's Baron Zemo. I need Baron Zemo as the Captain America of the Thunderbolts because he's smarter than everybody, he's wittier than everybody, and he can dance better than every single person we're about to name. Um, I don't think that it's coincidence or accident that the Wakandans picked up Zemo in this episode and sent him to the raft. The raft ran by who? Thunderbolt Ross. And I think that him not being in a Wakanda prison and being in specifically the raft, a place that we've seen be a trading zone for bad guys in the MCU, it, it, it just he's the post-credit scene favorite for me for this show. And um, you know, past this show, I just think Zemo is such an amazing uh, leader as far as like a, 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 a Triple H, Liam, the cerebral, a oh, cerebr- yeah, cerebral, a cerebral assassin. Exactly. The the, the cerebral figure of this team, and I think that he can bring a lot of great things. Hopefully we get a little more mask explanation in that scene. And um, yeah, so I just hope Zemo is back in the MCU in some way. It only makes sense that it's a part of the Thunderbolts. Liam Crowley, Colossus of Clicks, my boy, my man, my guy. What's your pick? I, I got a I got a tough position here because I, I do kind of want to go unexpected, but we can't just ignore the obvious. And I am going to go with John Walker. He proved in this latest episode of Falcon Winter Soldier that he's his tenure in the MCU goes far beyond just the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, he has a future, maybe not as Captain America, but as U.S. agent. And Matt, we talked about it in the review. the The storytelling potential to have Zemo and John Walker on the same team when their ideologies clash so much like John Walker represents everything that Zemo is against he is a super soldier gone rogue and poses a dangerous threat and him and Zemo being on the same team is just such a combustible force that I think adds a nice layer to the Thunderbolts that separates them from being mustache twirling bad guys like you know these aren't just like we want to kill the Avengers like that's that's the vibe I've gotten a lot from like comic book and animated sinister six they seem like a bunch of villains who only get along because they all just want to kill spider-man they don't have any bigger goal the fact that you could have two players on one team that have such separate like opposite sides of the spectrum ideologies and what they're about uh, i think is very rich from a storytelling standpoint and almost makes room for a thunderbolts film a thunderbolts series because it adds layers to this team that I don't think would work if they were just all on the same page and a a series or show a series or film wouldn't work if they were all on the same page. As a dynamic, we all want the Thunderbolts movie starring, of course, Julia Louis Dreyfus. Um, Guys, we, uh, you know, we have three big hitters right off the top. John Ross, are you going to give us something unexpected here? Or, you know, what, what are you thinking as far as, you know, these are more of the supplemental we've kind of, We've kind of locked down the expected. You know, we've kind of been told that John Walker and Baron Zemo aren't quite done in the MCU. What do we got now? What are, what are you throwing out here? I want to see uh, Batrock. And I know oh, that's, man. that's, yeah, uh, he does. that's that, might, that might be an unexpected answer if you don't know me. Um, <laughs> for anyone that doesn't know, I'm a huge MMA junkie. I love George St. Pierre. He's 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 one of he's. He's one of my role models. He's Dope. someone I've looked up to for so many years. So when he made his MCU debut in the Winter Soldier, I was all for that. But I thought that's all we were getting. And now that they're integrating him back into the MCU again, 
I, I, I know I'm being biased, but I really hope that it's not for nothing, you know, that it's not just to have a familiar face in this series that, you know, he's going to go head to head with Falcon in this, this uh, series finale. We know that, that that's what he wants. He wants to kill the Falcon. Okay. (laughs) Please, please don't let that be it. Okay. But the reason I really like him in the MCU, other than the fact of how much I admire the actor is because he adds such a, um, not a, not unique, but, uh, uh, it's more familiar, a more familiar element to the style of MCU that the Captain America trilogy and now the Falcon and the Winter Soldier kind of sits within, you know, it's a lot of that close quarters combat. Uh, you know, he's obviously an experienced fighter, so it, it really captivates you. You know, it's not, you know, cheap stunts, it's real stuff. You know, he knows what he's doing. If I can get more of that in the MCU, that's all I want. I, I want to have the top people in every single category. And that includes, you know, fighting knowledge. Yeah. And if I can get another fight, like his fight with Cap in the Winter Soldier, that's what I want from the MCU mm-hmm. right now, especially in a series like the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So if they can integrate that element into a, a Thunderbolt project, whether it's a standalone project or if you know they're integrated into another series, that would add a great layer to the Thunderbolts that not a lot of other potential members would be able to bring. So I know I'm super biased. I know, you know, that was probably good. the most expected answer you could get from John Ross Bradford. But <laughs> that's where I'm going. No, it's all good, and and we're gonna learn a lot about where that character goes next week in the season finale of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But he is the most grounded, uh, you know, Thunderbolt we can introduce into this list. You know what I mean? He's a foot on the ground kind of soldier. Imagine if John Walker, Patrick the Leaper, Leaper fight. That'd be dope. That'd be dope, dope. I'm all about I'd that. I'd love to see Batrock be like, "Oh, you're nothing like the old cat." <laughs> oh, and then and that then hey, and then Joe Walker gets pissed off and decapitates yeah, right, the motherfucker. Exactly. <laughs> that, that's I mean, just another layer within the team. Yeah, I love am it. Captain America. Um, I I'm gonna go with a pick here. This is um, I think I mentioned this on a previous podcast, but my my number one candidate for breakout star of Phase Four is Yolanda Belova, played by Florence Pugh. She has I mean, I love the actress. I love her look. I love, I love the action we've seen just in the trailers. I mean, she, she, that character seems to have a lot of Black Widow plus to her, which you know that's what we're looking for in Phase Four: advancement on previous characters. Yolanda Belova in the comics is such an interesting figure because her relationship with Black Widow, her relationship with Captain America, the 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 intertwined you know thoughts and feelings she has about being a good guy, being a bad guy, and in her relationship with Baron Zemo you know, is even just so well panned out in the comics. And, you know, we've seen little bits and pieces from the trailers. I I try not to look into the trailers too much because I like being a fan, not a journalist, even though I get paid to be a journalist. Shout out the direct.com. I, I really expect her to have a heel turn at some point in this movie because this movie is set previously in the MCU. So whatever we get from this movie, there's going to be an implied growth in that time gap, including the blip. And I think Thunderbolts is her route. I think that how cool would it be if the post credit scene to black widow was Yolanda Belova struggling with whatever happened in that movie. And from the shadows comes Julia Louis Dreyfus. And she says, Yolanda, you've now become a part of a bigger universe or something like that. Like the Nick Fury line from Iron Man 
replicated with JLD and Yolanda Belova in this to set up Thunder. I can't hmm. even. Hey, that's a great point. That's a I like that a lot. I think her character is going to be very similar to like the consultant that Tony Stark was to the Avengers. Mm-hmm. I can see that being her role for something like the Thunderbolts. That that would be very cool. Yeah, if Natasha went bad, that's what I'm hoping Yolanda is going to be, and I cannot wait for it. And uh, Yolanda Belova, my first, my uh, second pick to round us out. A Thunderbolts team of six. There's something about teams in the MCU being at six, right? You know, I'm a fan of it. Um, Liam, buddy, friend, pal, a lot of options here. We're going to go through honorable mentions, but you are about to land our last uh, Thunderbolt here, and uh, I'm excited to see what you're going to pick. Okay. You ready to suspend <laughs> some disbelief here? Every, every great pick starts with, okay. <laughs> Okay. Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear there me was out. one. There was one guy I had penciled in for my second pick, but based on on the way this team is structured, I'm thinking about you know diversifying the power a little sure. bit. And the the guy I was gonna pick, I felt was too aligned with a lot of the other like hand to hand combat stuff. So uh, I'm gonna go with my my heart here, and you're gonna have to suspend disbelief oh, a little bit. Here we go. I want. Aldridge Killian to round Let's out. Go! <laughs> I understand that he's technically dead, but Extremis says that he can regenerate somehow. And who's to say in the aftermath of Iron Man 3, his arm didn't sprout a torso and didn't sprout <laughs> another arm and a head. I think with, with so much hand-to-hand combat we got going on, we got Batrock the Leaper hand-to-hand combat. We got Zemo, basically hand-to-hand combat. Yolanda Belova and the one I'm thinking of that I'm forgetting, John Walker. Walker. The only only big, like, hulking presence is literally Red Hulk and Thaddeus Ross, implying that he does transform into Red Hulk. We need that, like, Thor element of guy without their powers, and I feel like Aldridge Killian as a fire-breathing extremist demon would be a very fun (laughs) way to integrate him back into the MCU. And as a guy who's just super frustrated with the power dynamic and everything from 2013's Iron Man 3, I would be fascinated to see you know, him crawl out of a sewer in Madripoor and be like, I've never died. I'm still here. And I'm pissed <laughs> off that the world is like it is how it is now. So I'm sorry, but I had to go with my heart. Aldridge Killian coming back to the MCU for Thunderbolts. The Ninja Turtles vibes of Aldridge Killian <laughs> reaching a hand up out of the rubble. Um, yeah. What's his alias? Does he just go by Aldridge? Because like, he's not going to say he's the Mandarin. He's I the promise Mandarin. you. I he's promise you he will not say that. No, he's fucking not. <laughs> I promise you he's not going to say that. Can, do we have a comic book Aldridge Killian alias, or is he just a guy? He, as far as I, will, I know. I, I, I'll tell you, I've read the Extremist run. Maya Branson was the brains behind Extremist, not Aldridge Killian. So, Liam, get creative. What is his alias? What's the nickname? The the. Fireman. I don't Fireman. Know. Pyro. X Men confirmed in the MCU. Pyro. No, I like <laughs> tattoos and everything. And you said Fireman. Anything. I, I, you put me on anything. the spot. I was. I was tough. I wouldn't have been able to do any better. It's okay. <laughs> I, I had nothing. I knew I was setting you up for failure. Um, I am all in for Guy Pierce returning to the MCU, though. One of my all-time faves. Like honestly, like, like um, I do think the I am the Mandarin. I think that's the worst part of that movie, but. But taking that concept, the fire guy, and putting him into a more aggressive role, all in. 
Uh, let's run through a couple honorable mentions here just real quick. Our official list, the direct list for expected Thunderbolts in the MCU, Baron Zemo, John Walker, Yolanda Belova, Thunderbolt Ross, a.k.a. AKA Red Hawk, Botrick the Leaper, played by George St. Pierre, and Aldrich Killian, a.k.a. AKA the Mandarin, but not the Mandarin, really. We all know Ben Kingsley is the real Mandarin. Um, some to, names we left off. <laughs> See, I panicked. I panicked. But then I handled it. <laughs> one of my all-time favorite lines in the oh, MCU. Man. We want to um, talk honorable mentions, man. We got to go to other Iron Man villains. We need Justin Hammer. Justin need, Hammer. We need a weapon specialist. We need a. We need some comedic relief. Are you looking at this team we've built? Where's nobody's funny? Baron Zemo. Hey, 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 Baron Zemo though. Baron Zemo you know what I mean? is funny in an ironic way, and it's definitely not intentional. <laughs> I know the whole. I was gonna say Justin Hammer was my was my set in stone sure. last pick, but oh, when I was looking at the okay. when I was looking at the leadership right. side, like Tony Stark, people argue like no, Cap's the leader of the Avengers, and then you know I just design everything, make everyone look cool. But Tony is in that leadership role of you know he's funding the whole team. When I looked at our squad and I, I expect, you know, Madam Hydra is still on the outskirts of our JLD. team leading stuff. And then Thunderbolt Ross being in there. Zemo is a natural leader. I felt like Justin Hammer was too much of too much star power. Aldridge Killian, a great, a great B plus player. <laughs> nice. I love it. Um, I completely agree with that uh, factor because I do think JLD would play the Justin Hammer role there. And, uh, you know, I just, I, I'm so obsessed with her already in the MCU, man. Um, some, some names that I think were pretty overtly left off, uh, because John Ross took Red Hawk number one, Abomination kind of got taken off the table for me, which yeah. I think, I, while, while I love Red Hawk in the MCU, I want it very, very badly. I, I really do. Um, I think Abomination is a great candidate for what they're hoping to put together for a Thunderbolts team. He talks he has education. He's a military man. Um, no, no, like I think that's a no, real thing though, because I know what you mean. Because yeah. the Hulk, the Hulk, the Hulk, like essentially, I don't know. Red Hulk talks too in the comics, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, another one that was left off, uh, the one I thought Liam was gonna go with, Ghost. Mm -hmm. Still oh, out the there, still, still out there doing her thing. Um, anybody else? Do, do we have Taskmaster. any? Uh, I know we haven't seen him Taskmaster. yet, but Taskmaster. Ooh. He was a Thunderbolt. Um, I want him. And I mean, he he even helped train John Walker at one point. So I mean, do you want to you want to get better at hand? I know we've got a lot of hand to hand combatants already, but if you want to make them maybe all that's the improve, team though. that well, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, maybe that's the squad they need. And wouldn't it be even cooler if it's a rotating lineup too? You know, just oh. like where the Avengers are constantly, you know, like like Tony just casually makes. Peter Parker and Avenger when they're in space, you know, what if we've got three you know, teams of on, Avengers? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So what if they take on other members later on too down the road? I mean, I know we're building a team of six, but the Avengers aren't a team of six anymore. Mm -hmm. So Thunderbolts, cool young Avengers. Definitely. Uh, we have a lot of factions coming up here in the MCU, <laughs> uh, the, the team era of the Marvel cinematic oh universe guys. That has been the direct list. Please let us know on Twitter. We would love to get berated by everybody listening about how wrong we were about our Thunderbolts list. Again, Zemo, U.S. Agent, Yolanda Belova, Thunderbolt Ross, Patrick Leeper, Aldrich, 
Killian, aka aka Fire Guy. And um, I, uh, we are so excited for where the MCU is heading, and we cannot wait to hear what you guys think about where the MCU is heading as well. This has been another edition of the Direct List. A quick shout out and a round of applause for our man, JRB, John Ross Bradbury. Thank you guys. Thanks Thank you, for buddy. having me. Always a blast. And you know what, Liam, JR, you know what we're going to say? That's an episode. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us this week. We will be back next week with our Falcon and the Winter Soldier finale review amongst your top news and anything else that we got for you. But right now, we want to give you other things outside of the comic book world and Star Wars universe that we know and love. Our weekly recommendation, we are two-dimensional men. We are going to bring you what we have going on in our lives outside of all this madness. Liam, kick us off. What is your weekly recommendation? So I was going to go very uh, robotic as I, as I seem to be every week with a music recommendation, but I actually want to pivot to some sports. Just watch some good baseball. Baseball is so hot right now. And I, I, I know that, uh, you know, it, it, the magic isn't there when stadiums aren't at full capacity, but I'm also saying this because the Red Sox are stupid hot right now. We're nine and four tearing through the American league. And, uh, you know, for a team that absolutely sucked last year in 2019 was abysmal to watch. Uh, it's cool to see a successful Red Sox team. So, yeah, watch some good baseball, regardless of, of my home team being successful. I think that uh, the MLB this year, compared to the other league that's going on, the NBA, which I feel like is super predictable with everything that's going on. I genuinely don't know what October looks like uh, this early in the season. And to me as a sports fan, like what more can you ask for except in an unpredictable 162 games? So, yeah, watch some good baseball. Jared, do we want to talk about baseball at all, or do we want to, as Cubs fans, do we want to avoid it like the plague? Yeah, we don't need to talk about that. I uh, I, I made the mistake <laughs> of starting three Cubs players in my fantasy lineup oh, the other day, and no. they combined they combined for a negative twelve points. So I'm not too happy about that. Um, no, oh. I'd, I'd recommend I'll go back to MMA if you if you guys are into fighting. This weekend's yeah. the weekend. UFC 261. Um, I mean, it might have. You, you got to catch it. Uh, you got Jorge Masvidal, Kamara Usman, Ooh. the rematch. Ooh. Masvidal's actually had time to get into this weight class and train. He's not fighting on 10 days notice. You also have uh, Valentina Shevchenko facing Andrade. I mean, it's a stacked card. Um, I mean, you got to be there. Uh, if, you like, if you like UFC, if you like combat sports at all, this is a good, good, good card to watch. I'm not the biggest UFC fan. I'm not the biggest combat sports fan, but I do like gambling. John Ross, do you have an underdog for me that you think might spur one out here this weekend? Well, I think Masvidal is the underdog, and I think he's winning it. So, All right, Masvidal. I'll, I'll, I'll give that to you. Yeah, 25 he's, he's gonna... going straight to Masvidal this weekend. We will see how that works out for Matt Rimke. Huh? All right. Uh, my weekly recommendation is nostalgic as Hell, my beautiful fiance Aaron looked at me the other day and said, "You know what we should do? Let's rewatch the Harry Potter movies." And I said, ah. "You know what? That's a great idea." So my weekly recommendation is revisit your favorite movie series from when you were a kid because I am two movies in to the Harry Potter series for the first time in a while. Wow, these are good. Oh man, I mean John Williams with the score, magical. Chris Columbus who directed Home Alone. Did you guys know that? The guy who directed Home Alone directed the first two Harry Potter movies. Oh, that's news to me. I had no idea. Wow. 
how epic is that? Like, like yeah, what a catalog for that guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I cannot wait to finish the Harry Potter series. I just recommend it, everyone hit get nostalgic with their movies because it's a damn good time. And for that, we will call it an episode for our amazing guest, John Ross Bradford, for my beautiful co-host, Liam Crowley. I'm Matt Rimke. We will see you next time on the Direct Podcast. <laughs>